Brought to you exclusively by Abu Garcia. Wow. That was a new intro. I hadn't seen that yet. I actually got me pretty pumped up watching myself. Is that bad to say? <laughs> How's everybody doing? I hope you're having a wonderful day, night, evening, wherever you're at. Uh, welcome to a brand new Ike Life 2.0. This is an exciting show for a lot of reasons. But let me tell you, I got a really good friend that I haven't seen in a while joining us a little later, a little later in the show. Randy Tharp's joining us in just a second here. So excited to have him on. Uh, by the way, Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Happy Christmas to everybody. If you're watching, I hope you had a great holiday. Uh, it was a blast over here. This was one of the holidays where I stayed home. I had no travel associated with Christmas or New Year's, and I loved it. Drank a lot of beer, a lot of whiskey, and had a good time with the kids. Uh, also, big news here. Uh, you heard me tease about it on the last show right before the new year. Big sponsor announcement for the podcast. Officially, you might have seen it in that new intro, Abu Garcia joining us as uh, one of the primary sponsors of Bike Live. Pretty, pretty cool, man. And, and, you know, it's always a nice full circle thing when you have a company that you've worked with for a really long time, sort of expand with you in, in new ways. So super, super stoked uh, to be uh, welcoming Abu Garcia on as a sponsor of the podcast. And the great news is you're going to get, if you're a, a fan of the show, if you're a listener or a viewer of the show, you're going to get Intel and first access to a lot of really cool new Abu stuff launching. So it's a, it's kind of a benefit of the program. Also, of course, you know, we'll be throwing your way some discounts and promos at you to help you with your Abu Garcia purchase. So very excited to have Abu on. And also want to remind everybody, uh, Ike Foundation, uh, a lot of big stuff going on right now. It's the new year. Uh, we've got the Youth Foundation tournament schedule announced. Um, if you know a kid or have a kid or a nephew, uh, sign them up for one of our tournaments. We have both bass tournaments for the competitive kids and we have fishing events for regular kids. If you know a kid that hasn't fished, a city kid, whatever, go to the ikefoundation.org. Look at the schedule. Got some really cool events here in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. So uh, give it a look. Also, I have a note from Becky here. Um, we have the Ike Foundation Scholarship Dinner happening in about a month. Uh, I think it's the 20... It's the end of the month. might be like the 28th of January. Head over, ikefoundation.org. Get a table. Get a ticket. Come out and hang with us. It's going to be a great night. We've got food and drinks and music and even gambling. I don't know how they legally do that, but we have gambling, tables, and all that stuff. So it's going to be a fun night. All the money raised, of course, goes to kids fishing and kids scholarships. So give that a look, ikefoundation.org. All right. Enough of the catch-up. I'm going to get Randy on here as soon as I figure out how to get him on. Joining us now, the one and only Randy Tharp. Randy, how you doing? How you doing? Man, I, I am good, Mike. I've uh, Just like you, sounds like you enjoyed the holidays. Sarah and I didn't do one thing. We stayed here at the house, laid low, uh, drank a, a few beers and a little whiskey also, uh, watched yes. a few football games, and uh, now, you know, what is it, January something? Now the world's come back to life. Everybody's back to work and uh, busy as usual. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show uh, to play a little catch up. We haven't seen each other in a in a while. I, I feel like it's it's got to be well over a year, right? Has to be. Like maybe we saw each other at ICAST, but like for like a longer period of time, it had to be over a year, right? We 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 have seen each other in passing, but but haven't you know, sat down and had a conversation in a really, really long time. Like, I mean, honestly, if you really want to think about it, back when we were both fishing, major league fishing, yeah. we didn't see each other. Uh, right. But really back in the Elite Series days when, you know, when we were around each other the most, I guess, which was yeah. six, seven years ago, probably. That's right. Time flies, man. It's it's crazy. Uh, it, it, it's, it's funny because as you were talking, I'm like, I'm thinking in my mind, I was like, When's the last time I had like a really long talk with Randy? And I'm like, it was probably at that. I remember we had a really great long conversation 
uh, MLF event in North Carolina. I think it was a heavy hitters that year, or I, I don't even know. I'm so confused about stuff going on over there. But at the time, it was my last official tournament. I had decided to take a hiatus. And, you know, it's funny that now we're playing catch up all these years later and things have changed for both of us a little bit. So it's kind of it's it's fun to catch up with you right now and, and see where the world has taken us both, you know. Yeah, I, I remember that. That that's true. I mean, I remember you had a different look on your face at that tournament, like a look of I don't know relief. Like I've never seen you that uh, just happy. You seemed really happy at that tournament. Like it was it was a good thing to see. It, it felt so good, and I I needed that. And I I've mentioned this before to people, but you know that period for me where I shut things off, and it it was COVID, and then. A little after COVID, it was like that time frame. It was the best 12 to 14 months or whatever it was, uh, uh, best time of my life because it really helped me recenter and refocus. And, um, you know, just all the politics and bullshit and MLF was eaten away at me. And, you know, the kids being young and, and it was refreshing for me to, to, to step away for a little bit, you know. I realized later, you know, flash back to that. I realized later that I couldn't stand not competing, but, <laughs> but minus that, uh, it, it, it was a, it was a really good time. It was a really good time. Um, uh, I, I do want to jump back real quick and mention that for people that don't know, Randy, you live, like you were mentioning, you just stayed home and chilled out with Sarah and, and, and what, what a way to great way to spend holidays. But dude, you live in what I consider like your life at home is like a vacation. Tell everybody where you live because I like I tell Becky all the time, like, why the hell do we live here? Like, why can't we live now where Randy lives? Like that to me is like the dream. You know, talk about that. Yeah, I live in a it, well, it used to be a small town, Port St. Joe, Florida, which is down in the panhandle. Uh, like when I travel, I, got, I fly out of Panama City. It's about yeah. an hour to the airport from here. But uh, but, you know, I don't live right on the water anymore. It, it's a pretty I know it's kind of an out of the way place. But uh, it's kind of become a touristy destination now. It's changed a lot. And uh, sorry about that. That's it's okay. changed a lot since we've lived here. But, man, I, I, I'm eating up with the bass fishing here, the saltwater fishing uh, the last four or five years, fly fishing, trying to catch stuff bigger than me and you. So <laughs> that's yeah. what I do in my, in my spare time. And uh, I actually, this off season, uh, I right prior to Christmas, I just – got my captain's license so i went through the whole coast guard thing uh and, you know yeah. passed all the tests as actually like a week before christmas and uh something i've always wanted to do i don't think you know later in life i don't think i'm going to be a full-time guy just uh but yeah you can call me captain randall now be good wow i like that <laughs> captain randall i like that uh by the way this is a great segue i looked on some of your social posts and i i'm I might be paraphrasing it here, but it was something like I'm a saltwater fly fisherman disguised as a bass tournament fisherman. And I, I thought that was awesome because I honestly, like I knew you liked the saltwater fish, but I never knew you were considered yourself a saltwater fly guy. Talk about that. Cause I'm, I'm sure people hearing this right now are like, what? Now he doesn't saltwater fly, but you do, you love it. Yeah. It's probably five years now. I've been kind of eating up with it. And, and, you know, I've lived down here long enough, like 13. I've been fishing down here probably 15 years. Yeah. And I've d dabbled in all of it, you know. I still go offshore a little bit, uh, fish near shore. But I've just have kind of gravitated towards what, you know, I love getting a bite just like you do. But yeah. I like to be able to see a fish eat my lure and especially something big. And that's what saltwater fly fishing is. And I, I would like to tell you that, you know, all the work and effort I put into bass fishing helps me in that, but it really doesn't. It couldn't right. be more opposite, man, like casting and trying to feed a fish or getting them to eat. It's nothing like bass fishing. And that's probably a reason that that I'm kind of drawn to it. It's, it's a it's a yeah. challenge. That's that's awesome. It's so refreshing to hear that because I'm, I'll be honest with you. This is like real number. This is 10 years of doing Ike Live. You know, this this new format's cool because I get to one on one a little more. But. 10 years doing Ike Live, and honestly, 90% of the 
of the pro bass fishermen I have on the show hate fishing. Not maybe that's the wrong word. Not hate fishing, but like when the season ends, dude, they grab their guns. They're like, I want nothing to do with fishing. You know, the, they they literally don't fish outside of bass tournaments. So it's so refreshing for me to hear you talk about that. And especially that it's fly fishing because I, it's people, I think, have a have a a wrong opinion about fly fishing because I, I love it. I'm not very good at it. I literally do it. I do it six times a year and I wish I, I wish I could go more, but um, there's something magical uh, about it. What, I mean, I mean, what is it for you? What is fly fishing to you for you? What's the attraction? No, uh, it, it's, it's the visual aspect of it, you know, like, like getting a bite, uh, on a chatterbait or something, when your chatterbait hits a piece of grass, you know, you get that sensation. But but with a fly fishing, it, it's it's more like hunting fish. You know, yeah. you, you mentioned a lot of the guys go hunting. Well, fly fishing for me is hunting fish, whether it's stalking an individual fish or or like, a you know, catching tarpon here on the beach is, is a lot like sitting in a tree stand, wait, waiting for one to come down the, the trail that you scouted out. And, and it's... I don't know. It's I, I've gotten in the time flies, so I'm obsessed with making something in my shop that that I think a fish will eat, and then you know trying to mimic something, whether it's a shrimp or, or a, a pogey or whatever. Yeah. Um, but 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 it's pure to me too. Like yeah. I don't even have a trolling motor on my skiff. You know, like I I, I push pole around usually usually with a good friend, and uh, we take turns. And, and it's just the, the best time. And it's, I guess it's more primitive. Like I'm not looking at yeah. a live scope or anything like that. It's I'm looking at the fish, watching yeah. the fish in real time and then making a cast, which, you know, most of the time the wind's blowing through. It's never perfect. Like, you know, every time we get to go fishing, it's oh, yeah. hardly ever perfect. Well, this no different down here. So it's based, it's a whole different bunch of challenges that you're faced, faced with here. And, you know, five years now, I've been really into it, and I would like to tell you I'm good at it, but I'm, I'm getting good at time flies. I'm not good at fly fishing yet. Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself really good at it. That's what I was going to ask you, because I, 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 I'm i in the same boat. Like, I love the craft of fly fishing. I just, I had a trip up on Salmon River uh, about three or four weeks ago, and it was amazing to catch steelhead on a fly. It was an amazing experience, but I mean, I'm not a very good fly caster, and and part of it's because i do it six times a year you know it's it's like anything else but have what have you done to make yourself better are, are you practicing every day or are you is it just time on the water what what have you done because i need to get better at casting i think i think a, a lot of it's practicing but i don't think you can go out here in the yard and practice all you want i got a huge yard now and there's plenty of room to practice but you're never faced with the same conditions that you are on right, the water right right and, uh, and so, so yeah, I think a lot of it's just time on the water. Um, I've gotten to where now in just about any condition I can get a fly in front of the fish. And I think it's knowing your limitations, just like you have to know that in bass fishing as well. Right. So may, maybe in some ways what you and I have done bass fishing does benefit us in fly fishing. But but it's just a, a totally different new learning experience for me. And I still learn every time I go. Yeah. And that's why it's fascinating to me. It's, it's fun. I, in my real retirement, when I officially <laughs> retire, I, I want to, I want to do it a lot more, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. Here's the funny thing though. Like a, as you're describing fly fishing and I'm like thinking about, it, I'm like, I love it. I'm like, Holy shit. I, I'm the same way. My mind started thinking it's a very interesting parallel though, to hear this from you because, and I'm going to put you on the spot on this. And I, and, and people listening, I'm sure if you're a hardcore bass fisherman, you know this, but it's funny to hear you say you love fly fishing because you're one of the best flippers. You're one of the best pitcher pitchers flippers in the world. Seriously, you are. And and honestly, I put you, you're up there with, you know, uh, Randy, uh, uh, Andy Morgan, Danny Brower, Biffle, like your name is there with those guys like that. I've watched you. And it's just, it's next level. So it's funny almost to hear, to hear you talk about, um, you know, liking fly fishing. But 
tell I, I want I want our viewers to to know this and our listeners to know how did you get so good at that particular technique? Be, because like of all the techniques, that's one where I feel like you see somebody and they they're very natural and it's fluid. Like you're a great example. Annie Morgan's a great example. Dude, it's like a machine. It's like AI flipping. And then you see other dudes and even me, I don't feel like I'm naturally talented at that. And how the hell do you guys get to that rhythm like that? Is is that something that comes natural or is that the same thing? It's just practice, practice, practice. Man, you know, I don't know. Like, like you you may have heard me say this, but but everybody has their specialties, you know? Like, like yeah. I just, I always gravitated towards that style of fishing and I tried to make that work no matter where we went in the, you know, in the country. Um, I, I do think a lot of it is just, I wanted to understand everything about it. And, and, and I've been fishing a long time, you know? Um, I can remember, you know, when I first started using lead sinkers and stuff and then tungsten and then how baits evolved and hooks evolved. So I, I spent a lot of time early in my career you know, with, with braided line with, with, yeah. you know, I remember when I started, it was a, a half ounce jig and, you know, 25 pound big game. Like that's what you had. There, there yeah. was no such thing as tungsten or anything. So no braid, but, no tungsten. Yeah, were, the lead weights, were, the lead weights were as big as this microphone for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you mentioned, I, 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 I'm honored that you put my name in the hat with those other guys, but I went to, uh, I guess it was called a Bass University back in the day, and and there was like five professional anglers there. This is I was a club angler at the time, and uh, I couldn't tell you one person that spoke except for one that was there, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was Denny Brow, and wow. I heard Denny give a class on flipping and pitching, and it made such an impact on me at that point. I just decided I'm going to figure this out, and from that point on, when all that stuff evolved. I tried to be on the cutting edge of it, you know. I wanted to understand why this braid was better than that braid and why, yeah. you know. But look at it now. I mean, just look at how it's changed, you know, since Amazing. you and I have started doing this. And it's that, to me, the evolution of this is is pretty cool. Yeah, super cool, super cool. And cool to hear that story uh, about Bash University because I have, I have a similar one. We had a class in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is pretty close to where I live. And uh, Hibdens were there, both uh, Dion and Guido. And that really, and, and at the time, I was a club guy. I was in my early 20s. It changed, it changed the course of my fishing to hear those guys and, um, you know, he, hear their techniques. And it really did. And it's cool to see you had an influence like that. And, and by the way, if you're watching, listen, you're not just a pitcher and flipper because a lot of your biggest wins you've ever had, you did other shit too. So I, I don't want to just pin that on you. Cause you do other stuff very well too. But um, I, I almost hate to bring this up because this is like, this is like been a broken record on the show for like 12 months. And, and, and I, I like despise even bringing it up, but it fits here. And I need to know with that being your core in your wheelhouse. And you know, everybody has it. You, you mentioned it. How has, how has, how have things changed? with forward facing sonar, you know, and, and I'm asking that for myself too, because I'm one of the old guys and I feel like I'm getting left behind. I feel like maybe I'm riding on my core too much when I should be expanding, but how, how's forward facing sonar changing your style or the way you fish or has it, or has it not? No, it's changed. It's, it's changed a lot. Um, I was stubborn. Uh, I didn't, put it on my boat for a while. And then it got to be from a few tournaments a year to the majority of the tournaments to just about every tournament is being dominated. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this story. Like I put it on my boat and I was fishing a tournament at Pickwick Lake. The first day I ever had it, I didn't know how to use it. Didn't have it set up properly. Anything. I go to flipping docks and I, I'm running up to a walkway and I kind of scan the dock and I see like a four and a half pounder sitting on the corner post. It was four feet of water. And I pitched over there and it follows my jig down and it doesn't need it. And I made three or four more pitches and, and there was a stump beside the dock post. 
and the fish kind of got down next to the stump and I can see him plain as day. And I had a camera guy with me. I was like, look, I was like, this is a four pounder right here. I can see it. You can see his fins move. And I was amazed because I'd never seen it before. I'd never fished with anybody that had it. Yeah. Well, I kept pitching and I'm, the guy's filming my screen. And I said, look, here comes another. It was a two pounder swim over. And as soon as that happened, my line went slack. I said, look, it was a four and a half pounder. Like he wasn't going to eat it. I made five pitches. And so, so what my point to the story yeah. is, yeah, I would have never caught that fish without it. That was the first time I'd ever used it. And I'm trying to figure out a way to incorporate that into the way that I like to fish. I don't, you know, and to, to where it'll help me. And it has. I've caught right. fish, you know, the last few years, just about every day because of that technology. But but is it my whole game? No. Is it something I really like doing? No. Um, but it's it's fascinating. It, it's yeah. fascinating to me because over the years, you know, like I've developed all these theories about what bass do and their behavior and all this stuff. And I looked at that screen for one day and most of the stuff I thought I believed was wrong. And, and so, so, so now I'm kind of trying to develop new theories based on what I'm seeing on that screen. And it doesn't leave yeah. a whole lot to the imagination, if you know what I mean. Right, right. That's refreshing to hear that, man, because I think uh, a lot of guys, when they mention forward facing sonar, they just automatically go to, uh, I'm out in deep water. I'm roaming around in the featureless depths looking for fish. And, and, and they're doing that. But it's refreshing to hear that you're just using it more as, a, as like an aid to what you're already doing to give you more awareness of maybe not even seeing the fish, but how they're reacting, how they're setting up. And that's, that's refreshing to hear that. Yeah, man, it's 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 amazing, and I can now. Who knows where it's going to be, Mike, in four or five more years? As fast as it's the technology is going right now, but uh, it's changed our game. You, nobody can deny it. Um, it's it's a player in every tournament, whether it's a pre-spawn spawn or you know, and, and smallmouth fishing and stuff like that is is totally just changed everything. Yeah, it's a must-have in those. Yeah, it was amazing. I saw somebody post, um, at least in the BA BASS majors last year, um, that it was the winner, and I think it was like seven of the nine. And, of course, everybody remembered it winning at Okeechobee. And, dude, I I mean, like, it's mind-blowing because I just wrote it off there. You know, I'm flip. I'm going to be flipping. I'm going to be fishing that much. Yeah. And here it wins. And you hear so many stories of it just opening up so many new situations you know and it it's it's intimidating to me because i i'm a, i'm i'm like anti-technology i kind of run from it you know <laughs> i miss the good old days of you know you're using the bait and you're going on hunches and you know you're you're casting into the unknown like that fueled me you know like i was fueled by the unknown and and now you know, now I've, I got neck neck spasms and I'm looking around with this thing and I, I got to get I got to get better at it. But I I do like that theory of using it more as a tool and not changing my style, but just using it to help me what what I'm already good at. You know, I like I like that a lot. I think that's a great, great strategy, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I mean, there's so many of these young guys that that's all that's their game. They came up with the technology. Yeah. And and you may have heard me say this before. It's hard to beat somebody at their own game. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta make your own game. So I'm just trying to figure out ways that it it can help me doing the things that I'm already good at doing. So yeah. I mean that's kind of where I'm at now with it. Yeah. Um I practice every day. I go fishing, you know, bass fishing. I practice with it, trying to figure stuff out still. And yeah, it's uh it's an unbelievable tool. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's crazy. It it's definitely changing things. It's changing the fishing world for sure. Uh, speaking of change, man, big uh, big year for you with with change. Uh, it was great because I follow your social stuff and uh, Becky's friends with Sarah, so they talk all the time. And I I knew I kind of knew already before you even made that post. I I knew you know what was going down, but. Uh, this is a this is a big year for you. Let maybe let me start even before this announcement and this change. Let me start before that. How 
how were those last few years at, at MLF at Bass Pro Tour? You know, like since that meeting we had in North Carolina, how how were those last few years for you? And how was the league? Man, you know, I try to separate myself from all that. Like, it's hard for me if I get negative or down about the way things are going. It's hard for me to go. I still, every day I'm out there, try to have the best time I can, whether I catch them or not. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, going back to when we were at Bass and we all made the move over there, um, I don't think that right out of the gate there were some signs uh you know, you, you obviously made a decision before I did. And there were some other guys, Brandon, um, you know, Hackney, Christy, a lot of guys, you know, I don't know, maybe Saul just wasn't the best fit for them. But I've known for a couple of years, like, uh, man, it just fishing is supposed to be the fun part of what we do. Yeah. Um, and, and and you know we we there's a lot of time travel time on the road and stuff and it's not fun driving a truck around the highways these days is not fun but when you're there at a tournament competing doing something you love it's supposed to be yeah and uh, so the move for me i mean i just would love to to have those feelings and then you'll be excited about going to fish a tournament again because i haven't felt that way in a long time and it's nothing yeah. against major league fishing um you know that that format and what they got going on suits some people it just wasn't for randall tharp and you know i'm i'll be 55 soon uh my dad i'm not going to fish till i'm 65 i'm not going to be like a rick clon or, or some of those guys i just really want to enjoy you know the few years that i have left in me i'm still pretty competitive fishing well i think and uh you know some of my best memories in fishing were when I was fishing bass, you know, my first three or four years on the elite series, when I was fishing against you every week for the first time and Kevin, like, you know, testing myself against the best. I mean, that was, you know, I talk, I don't talk to Jason Christie a bunch, but last year I had a conversation with him. He said, you know, those first three or four years, we all went to bass. We'll never have it. It'll never be that fun again. And I said, man, I, I, I don't want to believe that, but I think you're right. Like, I agree. I agree with that. I, you know, I, business was good. Uh, it was probably the uh, the fishing industry was at a different place then. Yeah. You know, I kind of left FLW with the whole team deal, and that was when I started building my business. And, and my hats off to guys like you and Kevin and Skeet because I always looked up to you because you were had awesome resumes on the water, but you had this business that you had built off the water so that inspired me at that point in my career that's why one reason i made the move from flw in the first place was kind of to control my own destiny yeah and you know that 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 started happening during that period of my career and yeah. uh, you know the whole move back um man i mean if you, you look at look at my history the opens have been really good to me uh i yeah. like the schedule a lot um you know, I'm not particularly crazy about somebody being in the back of my boat having to do with that because it's been, that's got to be 10 years since I've had somebody in the back of my boat. But, uh, yeah. man, I'm going to go out there and fish hard and, and, and have a good time. That's awesome. Well, I, I agree with you on that time period. I really, I look back at bass fishing. I feel like there was a couple heydays of the sport. And that for me personally, and I've talked to other people, they agree, that was one of them when, you know, that was a heyday of fishing and there was an energy and an excitement and uh, a momentum of the sport that I hope we see again, but it hasn't been a, that way in a while, you know? And uh, it, it's funny because, you know, you mentioned when we were all making the decision at Bass to leave and, and to create this thing and, you know, the intentions were so good and, and I remember the intentions and, and, you know, to put this in context for people listening, things at Bass weren't terrible, but things were getting pulled out of our control. We we were feeling like second fiddle, you know, the, the 10th reason that decisions were being made. And that was the mentality. And I remember there being this very strong feeling that, man, we're going to go and create this amazing new thing. And we would be in control. You know, we would have the say. Uh, we would control our own destiny. Like I remember thinking, man, it's going to be awesome. But I also remember making that decision 
was dude it was one of the hardest decisions i could have ever made and like in hindsight you know how this is in life right look back on something and you're like fuck it was slapping me in the face and i didn't realize you know it's like when, when it takes you like a month 30 days to make a decision on something it's probably not the right decision but you know in hindsight I look back and i'm like god maybe deep down inside i knew that it wasn't going to work but we all believe that right like we all believe that we were going to something that was going to be better and amazing and and in our control and i think that's what you, you know i think that's what drew me out was was that was the fact that i saw that was not coming to fruition um i'm not as good as you are with letting the negative get to me i'm probably the worst like my highs are ho really high and my lows are really low and i was letting that negativity get to me like i couldn't turn it off when i got to a tournament and and i felt like that like i i felt i felt sad and depressed at bass tournaments and i you shouldn't feel like that. Like this is the freaking best job in the world. Right. And, and that's how I felt. And, you know, I, I, I think, um, I think for me, making the decision to come back to bass was, was the best thing that could ever happen. And I'm saying that from a standpoint of not, I'm coming back my second year, two years in, I've had two of the worst seasons of my career, but I still like, I feel better. Like I, it's hard to describe. You know what I mean? Like I feel better. I I'm smiling. Um, Wayne fish. I'm have fans yeah. like all these things I missed that, uh, it feels good to be back. So, you know, it, it's, uh, I think you made the, in my opinion, I think you made the right choice. I think, I think you're going to, you're going to be a lot happier at best. I really do. Yeah, man, I, I hope so. Like, I, I too, I miss the interaction with the fans. I miss seeing them every day, whether it's, you know, 20 or 2,000 or 200,000 at a classic or whatever. Yeah. I miss that. And I also do just miss being around the guys. Like, it's like, you know, just like I never saw you at Major League Fishing because, never. I mean, there's still guys five, five seasons. I don't think I fished against them a handful of time, and I didn't even see them the times I did. Like, I miss – being a you know a different person every day in the bag line or or just anchored up before takeoff next to somebody and having a conversation with somebody you know i miss that part of yeah. it like 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 think about it i mean when we were both fishing club tournaments like that was a part of it yeah you know everybody getting together at the weigh-in and seeing who who won and lost like that I missed that part of it because I haven't had that in five years so yeah so I know that part I'm gonna enjoy again yeah. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, I think, that, you know, instantly when the split happened, the anglers kind of had some animosity, you know, some of the anglers that didn't get chosen and the guys that did, and there's all this bad blood. And I get the leagues and all that. I get the animosity among them because it's business and nobody wants to lose at that. Yeah. But, you know, that the guys, you know, are fishing. We're all fishermen. Like we should, yeah. we should all get along. And I still think there's a lot of animosity among certain people. I think it's going away over time, but uh, that's unfortunate, man, because overall we all have dedicated the most part of our lives to this thing, but yeah. it doesn't matter if you're fishing major league fishing or bass or the NPFL or whatever, we all love to fish and it's all the same game. Uh, I agree. I agree. And when you think about it, it's a very small body of, it's a small body of professionals, a small group. You know, that's the thing. I think some people think, ah, oh, you know, there's a thousand, there's 1500 professional. Dude, it's like the actual number is like 300 or something, right? If, yeah. if you look at, so it's a very small group uh, and, and we should get along. It's actually, I, I've talked about this on other shows, but it is a shame that we could never get together as a entity outside of the leagues, you know? And I know it's been tried and, even when the split was happening, I saw an email come through and just never happened. But, you know, that, that that's kind of a shame. But we have to have some kind of unity, even if it's just in liking each other and supporting each other. It has to be something, right? <laughs> I mean, we're all in we're on it together at a certain point. So uh, you brought something up, which is very unique. And, and I probably only had a handful of guys on this podcast that fit that bill. Um, you have fished all of the top tours minus the npfl but you fished 
FLW succeeded there. You fished BASS succeeded there, and of course, MLF Bass Pro Tour succeeded there. Um, so you're you're in a group of guys that have excelled in all of them and competed at the highest level in all of them. I got two questions for you based on that. The first one might just be, if you could go back in time and change anything from, from the beginning, would you change anything? Would, would you have started at FLW? Would, would you have made the switch? You know, and now's your time to be a genie in a bottle. You could change anything. Would you change anything if you can go back in time? Man, you know, Mike, for me, no. No, I, you know, I'd qualified three times for the Elite Series. I didn't go to the third time because I knew I wasn't ready. Yeah. I mean, y'all would have cleaned my clock if I'd have went over there the first time I qualified. I mean, I mean, I was pretty honest with myself about where I was, you know, as far as my ability and being versatile and stuff. And uh, I, I will say there was a different level of professionalism that I saw from you guys compared to where I was at FLW. So I'm thankful, you know, I came up through the clubs and then BFLs and I still think major league fishing with the BFLs and the, even the Toyota series are very, very good run, you know, good money tournaments. Um, so, so they still have that going on it from, from the grassroots, to, to be able to make the All-American is a great tournament. I was lucky to make it one time, and I'll never forget that. And so, no, I don't regret I don't regret Major League Fishing. Like, like, I think we all took a chance, you know, hoping it would be better. I don't regret it. Like, you know, I looked at you. I looked at Kevin. I looked at those guys that had been a part of Major League Fishing from the beginning. And you guys seemed to like it, you know, like, like, like the fishing those cup events and watching them, like, Dude, when it was you and Kevin and Aaron Martins, when y'all were teeing it up on Major League Fishing, that dude, was I watched fun. it. That was yes. fun. I, I and, yeah, that was fun. That was and fun. I love the you know the cups I was a part of. I love that no practice, like let's put it in and go. Like, like I, I the few I I got the fish, I liked it. So yeah. so and so so I saw that. I saw the guys that were a part of the selects, and most of them seemed to like it. So and I didn't know. I didn't know until I went over there and competed in that format. Right. Was it the right one for me? So I'm thankful I did it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't, did, didn't, I had some opportunities every year to, I never won a Bass Pro Tour event. I would have liked to have done that. Um, but, but, you know, I've had some good seasons over there. Yeah. You know, I made the four championships over there and I made every heavy hitters and I'm fishing the heavy hitters in, in May this year. So, yeah. I, I feel the same. I think it's hard. I asked that question and answered it in my own head. And I think it's hard to want to go back and change something because it changes who you are. Right. It, you, you know, like I, I look back on all my experience, even the bad shit. And it's like, it makes you who you are and it, it makes you the angler. You are the person you are. And I, I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's be a mistake to want to go back and do it any different than you've done it, you know? So, uh, let me ask you this though. So having fished all three tours, if you could change something about the leagues, what would it be? Because you, you got a unique background here on this. You know, you you've seen the FLW format, the Bass Pro Tour format, the open, the elite format. You've seen them all. Are there if, if you were running those leagues, are there things you would change or things you would implement? Anything come to mind like I would do this to make this better. Or do you think they're doing a good job the way they are? Man, that, that's a tough one, man. I definitely do not want to run a league or make the decisions that those people are faced with. You know, um, I've seen them make a lot of mistakes and I've seen them do a lot of good things. But, but for me to sit here and pick one thing, man, that's a, that's a tough one. I'd have, to, I'd have to think about that one and get back it, with you. Yeah, like, it I is. Yeah, that is a tough one. And I just I just threw it at you. I mean, I I've I have a couple, but they're ones that I've very thoroughly thought thought out. You know, like you mentioned it, the FLW team concept. And I was a part of that too in the early days with Kellogg's. So cool. I'm on I was on a freaking cereal box. That was so cool. I get to show my kids, you know, I get to show my kids they laugh at it, you know, because I look like I'm from the 80s or whatever. But uh, you know, like we got away from 
FLW and that team format because we sort of, you know, you remember the last day you get put in the boat and all that. And, and, and you know, it was like, man, we, we needed to change that. And we fought for it. And in Bass, we got our own boats back in the classic. And it was like all that stuff happening. Like, yes, we're doing it. And then here's MLF. And I'm guilty of it too. But in the cups and in the team events currently, like they're saying, put on this jersey that says Ferguson, even though you have no association with Ferguson. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe I own some plumbing that came from Ferguson. But put on this jersey, get in this boat. Like, I'm like, fucking sports going backwards. Like, is this is this ridiculous? Like, why? why are yeah, we going you know, I, I agree with that. But we honestly, we should have known what, like, like, like I think about that to this day. Like, we knew what we were signing up for there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, so we, so I left FLW to build my brand and, and, and to become a recognizable angler out there. And then as soon as we went back to that, we lose our identity and we lose, we lose that part of it. And so that part of it, I do regret a little bit because we did know that going in. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I thought the BPT was going to be a little bit, you know, I, you can go back and rehash it all. It, it's, it's just unfortunate because we had a good opportunity there. I believe. Yeah. I believe we all believed it. I believe we were all, willing we all did take a chance on it and, yeah. and you know i don't think it do my i i hope for the guys that are still fishing over there and and my good friends and the, the companies that are invested over there i hope it does work i, I don't want to see it fail I, you yeah. know i've got really good friends still competing over there I'm, i feel fortunate that i i work for companies that i do have options and, and right. they really aren't they really don't care. One, one, one of the companies I work for, they said, they said, you can just go fish BFLs. That's fine with me. So I'm, that's I'm awesome. lucky to work for companies like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy because when I look at, you know, some of the, the, the names and same thing, a lot of these guys are, these guys are my friends. These guys are guys I spent years with on tour. It's like, I see a handful where, nothing really changed for them at all. So if they fished there or bass or wherever they fish, nothing has changed. I see some guys that a very small percentage, some guys got elevated by fishing over there. And then I see a large group that really like, and, and I won't even say any names, but I feel like they got hurt by fishing over there. And it's a lot of what, what kind of what you said, it's like almost like they got their personal branding lost in all that you know and it, it it's almost like i feel bad and, and even for me i i feel like i may have had you know some brand loss brand recognition loss for a few years there and and that's a shame but i don't wish them i don't wish them bad luck either like i i think you hit it dead on the head right it's an it's a place to compete there's money there it's an outlet for anglers and in a growth phase of a sport the more the merrier, right? You know, the end games, probably there should be one league. Me, me and you will probably be gone by then, but uh, that's the end game. But in the growth phase, more is better. So I, I agree with you there. What do you think? I, I got one more I got to throw out if I was in charge of the leagues and get your opinion on that. And what, then we'll move on topics. Uh, the one thing I remember being almost like Maybe this is a hard word, but despising at when I fished Bass Pro Tour were the weather delays and the production delays. And even now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put bass under a, a safety blanket here. Last year, dude, we had some days canceled that should have never been canceled. Like I'm just telling you. And you know, it was the normal thing where they're checking the weather and they they have the, the anglers calling Lisa on the phone, my back, I can't do it. And, and like, I I'm reminiscing to the good old days when they would launch us in anything. And if I was in charge of the league, there'd be no damn weather delays for, <laughs> for a five mile an hour breeze or because the production crew guy dropped his camera, there wouldn't be delays or, or cancellations. What do you think about that? 
Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Like that was a part of the sport when we started you and you based your whole strategy on, you had to watch the weather and pay attention to it. It was your and decision. You know what? Yes. If you were the one guy that made the big run heroically and made it back and caught him, like that was a, it's a risk equals reward. And that whole part of the sport is going away. Yeah. And, you know, like, I don't like getting beat up as much any more than you do, but yeah. that was a pretty cool aspect that we've lost now. Yeah. And man, you, you, I mean, you got as many stories as I do about guys that did stuff that you couldn't believe they would do to catch a fish. And they, they, but they would, some of them would pull it off and sometimes it would bite them. Yeah. And uh, I miss that. I miss that part of it. I really do. Me too. Me too. It's probably just me being sour and having those memories like you have, because we do live in a different era, right? It, it, this is a different culture. Maybe not a, people call it a cancel culture, maybe not totally cancel culture, but it's a different era of precaution and safety. And I think you're right. I think I just, I miss the old days, you know, where it was on you and you know, you were, you were going to go. And if you tried it, you tried it or you changed your game plan. It was all part of that strategy. And it was, Again, kind of the heyday of the sport, you know, and, and I miss that. I miss that for sure. Uh, I, I want to jump to – this is kind of an interesting topic because I've talked to Bobby Lane about it last year. I talked to Ish Monroe about it on the podcast last year at length. And it's such a hard task to do what you're doing, um, you know, Going back to this route, which is not an easy thing. Uh, this is not three tournaments anymore. This is nine events. And it's a tough route. And and you sprinkle that in there with these kids with forward-facing sonar and, <laughs> you know, the Japanese anglers that are spending months and months and months before official cutoff. And you sprinkle all these elements and the local best local hammers, you know, that are cherry-picking. Sprinkle that into there. And it's a tough, you've got a tough road here. Have you, what, what's your mindset? Because I'm, I'm curious because it's, it's gotta be a tough, like, like you're a great fisherman, but it's still a tough challenge. Or what's your mindset going into this year? Man, I don't think it's any different than it's ever been. Like, like I take it one tournament at a time and I'm going to fish this. I'm going to try to win every one. Like, like I don't really. I've never in my whole career fished for a paycheck or wondered what it was going to take to get paid. Like I've always just fished to try to win. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, dude, that's my, that's my mindset. Like it's, you know, I just, I'm, I will miss fishing against the guys, you know, Yeah. fishing against, uh, against the guys that I've been fishing against for some of them for 15 years, yeah. you know, the Brent Aylers and Brett Heights and those guys, like I'm going to miss fishing against those guys. Um, and, and obviously, like Kevin leaving last year, like, you know, there was a few guys. He was one of them that I would always measure myself against. So he, he's not, never going to come back. So so that's just something that I'm going to have to 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 get past. And, um, but but, you know, dude, there's there's a lot of young, super talented, really cool anglers, too. Like we, we get a new group, you know, that comes up every year. And of that group, there's one or two that impress me, you know not only with just the, the way they can compete, but just because they're good kids, you know, good, yeah. good, good guys. So, so I'm kind of looking forward to that part of it. Um, I'm not intimidated by going back to the opens, man. Like, like, yeah. I mean, it was way easier when they, you only had to fish three of them. Uh, I mean, I, I applaud bass, man. Like, I don't think that you've saw, you've seen it back when in the, in the day, like these kids would go practice, like you said, for three months. For each Once. event, they'd fish three tournaments. They'd make it to, to the Elite Series. And guess what? It didn't rain sponsor money. And dude, it was just like throwing a you know a hen into a pack of wolves, man. We ate them up. And, and in two years, they'd be in debt and they'd go back home. Like, like if a guy's going to fish all nine opens and can afford to do that. Yeah. Dude, he's in it. He's in At least he's financially proved that he can do it for one year and he's a good right. enough angler to make it. So I, I applaud Bass for making it harder. I don't think three tournaments should qualify you to fish against Mike Iconelli or KVB. It just shouldn't. And, and, and I, you know, I can name names. I'm not, but the, 
year after year, there were the guys that would come up there and be sleeping in their truck, eating beanie weenies. And I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to see it in the campground, you know, next to the, you know, who's ever motor coach that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. That was a shame uh, because with three tournaments, you're right. You know, they had a certain, you know, expectation that if they did well there and they could fish really good and they made the elites, everything would fall into place. And you and I know that's not true, but I think a lot of these kids, and, and even on recently, you've heard some of the young elite guys talking about it. I think there was a little, they were disillusioned maybe a little by what this really meant. And I, I think you're dead spot on with that, right? Nine events, they're going to see more. They're, they're going to get a taste of what tour fishing is about. And the financial side of it, I think you're right. Like now they, they can't just have their, you know, lawnmower, lawnmower money saved up that they cut lawns in the summer. They've got to have already something in their pocket unless they're independently wealthy. There's a few of those or their dad's wealthy, but for the most part, the regular dudes that have to have a portfolio already. And, and you're right. I think it prepares them for what's ahead, you know? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, dude, I'm looking forward to it, man. Some of my best memories uh, in tournament fishing was fishing bass opens. Like, like it just—I I don't know why—I always seem to catch them in those tournaments, and I haven't fished a whole bunch. But uh, you know, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget the first time I learned something from you. And I haven't told this story to a lot of people. Wait a minute. Let me like, let me guess. It's how to break a rod over your leg and curse at a dog barking on the bank. Am I right? No, but I, I, I hadn't fished against you enough to know why you were as good anglers you were on the water. But ironically, this, this was a bass open on the James River. And you and I were fishing the same area. I was fishing it on high tide. You were fishing it on low tide. But we both made the top 10. And I remember the guy that won saying was Kelly Pratt. But both, yep. both you and I made the top 10. And it was at a Bass Pro Shop the way in. And so we had both weighed in. Kelly had won the tournament. They had a restaurant in the Bass Pro. Sarah and I went in to get something to eat because I was starving. You know, I hadn't eaten anything all day. We'd been fishing for three, whatever, a week in a row. And uh, I came out, and there was only like four cars in the parking lot. And Bass had already taken the trailer. They had cleaned all the tanks up. They had hit the highway. They were headed back to Alabama. But there was one angler left, and it was you. Wow. And your truck and boat was in the parking lot and there were still maybe about 10 people in line to get your autograph, but it had to be two and a half or three hours after the weigh-in was over and you were still there signing autographs. And I'll never forget that. I haven't told that story to very many people, but I'll never forget that. And there's not another angler that I've ever fished against or worked with that would have stayed there that long to make sure everybody got autographed or got a picture that that what they wanted to. So that's all. Awesome. I don't even know if, I, if you even knew that I saw you doing that. No, but. no, that's the first time I'm hearing that story. And I, and I love it. I mean, that, it, it, it honestly, it, it makes me feel so good when, when I hear those stories because it sort of makes it all feel worth it, you, you know, because it, it's funny, you know, like the sport, the, the, the competition, the sponsors, everything's always like this. And they've kept, I say they, but the fan base has kept me sane. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, they it, like that's the best thing. I look back at those things and I'm like, thank God that I I have that. And, and thank God I'm able to do that because hopefully I've helped them, but they have helped me. And it's like, why I'm I'm I'll be 52 in June and why I'm still here. It's because of that. So I appreciate you saying that, man. That's awesome. Makes 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 me feel good. I don't know? remember what year. That was a long, long time ago. It was before I was fishing FLW, I think. At that, yeah, time. that was like so the first. That was that was a while because that was the one Kelly Pratt one was the first James River tournament that Bass had an open at. I, I'm pretty sure it was like the first one. They've been there for a classic. I think the one that one of the ones that Hank won was there, and they've been there before. But it was the first open they had there, and it had to be twelve. Or earlier had to be, yeah. Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever been there. I I still still like that place. Like it's a it's a beautiful place to go fishing. Yep, tidal river, man. Shallow water, 
fishing with Florida's in the Chickahominy. Can't beat that. <laughs> uh, Randy, I, I appreciate coming on. It was so nice catching up with you. And, and by the way, I love your strategy because it's funny. Bobby Lane and Ish both said the exact same thing that you said, which is pretty much screw the points, screw trying to catch a limit. I'm here to win. I'm here to fish my style and you're going to do the same thing. And I, and I love that. That's the way it should be. Uh, and I wish you all the success next year, man. I, I know you're going to do great. And between me and you, like watching, looking at your eyes, this interview, I know that you're going to be happier <laughs> regardless of how it works out after the ninth event, you're going to have a happier year uh, fishing the opens, which is great. Here's something I want to ask you before I let you go. Just a, a little promise. And um, could I come down and fish with Captain Randall? Uh, fly fish <laughs> with Captain Randall uh, one of these one of these days? Sure. I would love I, to. I honestly would. I would love to. Yeah, the two, the two. I mean, you can catch a lot of different species down here, but the the two the year round fish is redfish, obviously, and then. You know, our tarpon fishing is really good from about May to uh, August. That's and, awesome. Uh, we have some really big ones up here. So, Well, I, I would love to share a boat with you, especially with the fly rod since I'm so bad with it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'll have I'll have Becky do a little jingle and get it hooked up for us. So that would be uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's some property available down here. If you, oh! you, open that, you open that can of worms, man, and you might not be able to shut mm -hmm. it because that's what – you know who brought me down here the first time was a, a mutual friend of ours, Rob Newell. He had me down yeah. here to go fit, to spend a week and go fishing, and I never left. So, uh, I, I could see that. I, I've spent time in that area in the Panhandle and Pensacola, and, and, and I love the fishing there. It's unbelievable freaking bass fishing is great when you get you know seminal like those kind of places it's such a unique area and uh it's not you know the, the weather minus the hurricanes and tropical storms the weather's primo like i would like it i would get used to it really quick i can tell you that <laughs> yeah i don't yeah i don't think we will ever leave like we found this place and and it's home now and some really good people live here and and that's I saying a lot too. That's saying a lot because listen, if you're listening to this right now, Randall, you were at you were at freaking Gunnersville before. Like you were at Bass Fishing Paradise. So coming from you, you know, leaving the the hotbed of bass fishing in Alabama to here and saying you will never move. That's that's a big deal. Dude, I was a trendsetter. I was the first guy at Gunnersville before before Bass even had a tournament there. But I remember the first time the Elite Series came there when George, I think George Cochran won, and then. You know, I had a place up there in Roseberry Creek, and dude, I, I miss those times. Like, I miss that lake. I still love going there. Still, the you know the mecca of bass fishing, in my opinion. But yeah, look at all the guys that live there now, and dude, are, are well, from, up to Chick or the Chick. You know, like they live from Gunnersville to the Chick, most of them. Yeah, I think I think Boyd owns all of Gunnersville, doesn't he? The entire lake. I think he's owning more every day. I think I think he's asked the state to deed him the bottom of Lake Gunnersville. <laughs> He's going to rename it Ducketville Lake. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, that it's still, man, that, that <laughs> lake. I fished there this year and it, it was, uh, that was my best tournament of the whole year. And it was like old times, you know, running around trying to catch a gunner full bass. It's awesome. I missed that place. I hadn't fished there in a while. I miss it. I miss the grass. I miss, it, it was it was a cool place. It's cool. I place. remember your win there distinctly. Oh. I, don't know, I think I was fishing bass then, but you, you wanted on a DT six and you caught some fish on a. I remember you caught a sight fish on the final day on a centipede. Did you not? Dude, you it, it, it was the craziest event because I I caught them every day. I caught them a little different, and I was like classic junk deal. But first day, every fish I weighed came off a of bed, caught like eighteen pounds. Second and third day, it was cloudy and rainy. I cranked Browns Creek with a with a DT6 and a 5XD, chartreuse blue, till my knuckles bled. Caught big bags. The last day, those fish went away. 
I caught two out there, both good ones, but I caught two out there. Then I ran around everywhere I had beds and they were all gone. The only thing left were fry garters. <laughs> and but you, I, you caught enough to win. So. I caught enough to win. Out and jumped the seven pounder and I caught enough on a two inch French fry to win the tournament. So what it's meant to be, it's going to happen. That's uh, that's the lesson from that one. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's the cool. Those are the good days. Like, I'll never forget that stuff, the history of the sport and the things that happened back then. Man, it was all good, good times. It was good times. Well, I have a feeling you got a lot of years left and you're going to continue to be a part of the history of the sport. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Just on a personal note, even if this camera wasn't on, it was great catching up with you. I hope to run into you somewhere this year and uh, tell Sarah we said hello and, uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, man, I enjoyed it, Mike, anytime. You got it. Now, listen, I know your vacation got postponed, but I hope you guys enjoyed to get some time down, time off before the, the tour starts and you get crazy. So have a good have a good vacation. You guys go on it still. Yeah, thank you, bud. We will. We'll, we'll enjoy it. You got it. We'll see you, Randall. Thank you, man. There you have it, everybody. Yes! That was awesome. So nice uh, catching up with Randy, man, it's been too long. It's funny, like when life starts to happen, get when life gets in the way, right? You know, I took a hiatus. I started a different tour and you lose contact with people. And it's a shame that it's like that. So, uh, so great catching up with him. Uh, I hope, I hope, fingers crossed. I'd love to see him back at the elites. I'd love to compete against him again, especially before I decide to leave, which is in the near future. That, that's a whole nother show. But uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening today. Uh, I hope you're loving this new format. This is Ike Live 2.0. This is the one-on-one, -on -one, more up-close and personal podcast. Uh, still sprinkling in the old like Ike Live shows as well every once in a while. Uh, let me remind you, a brand new sponsor, Abu Garcia, coming on to support the show. Thank you, Abu Garcia. Uh, some really great promos and offers coming up to you if you're a fan of Abu Garcia. Uh, also, we're going to have a couple new segments on this show uh, that will be Abu Garcia segments. In addition, Ike Foundation, it's the first of the year. we got a lot of big stuff happening. Of course, if you've got a kid that wants to go fishing, tournament fishing, or just fishing, head over to the ikefoundation.org. Check out our schedule. A lot of great events here in the tri-state area. Last but not least, man, if you're looking for a fun night out, end of January... Head on over to ikefoundation.org. We have our scholarship banquet. It's not too late to get tickets or reserve a table. It's going to be a night of food, fun, drinks, dancing, gambling. Anything's going to go that night. I uh, can't wait to see you out there. Uh, go to ikefoundation.org. Get your tickets before they're all gone. Thank you for watching. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great one. We'll see you soon. Bye. You know, right now where we're standing, we're in Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. Philadelphia is right there. This is the concrete jungle. And, you know, a lot of those kids, as they grow up, they don't fish. It's interesting because they're surrounded by water. You know, the, the Delaware River, the Schuylkill, ponds, city park lakes. But they don't have the influence to, to, to cast, to fish, to have a rock. You know, right now where we're standing, we're in Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. Philadelphia is right there. This is the concrete jungle. And, you know, a lot of those kids, as they grow up, they don't fish. It's interesting because they're surrounded by water. You know, the, the Delaware River, the Schuylkill, ponds, city park lakes. But they don't have the influence to, to, to cast, to fish, to have a rod and reel. And that really, that became our focus, you yeah. know, is to target kids in what we call non-traditional areas, yeah. you know, urban areas, city centers, where the population's high. And, and let these kids have an experience, you know, and it, it, it's amazing. I mean, some of the experiences we've had, whether it's Central Park in New York City, here in Camden, other parts of the country, even just casting, 
Yeah. It's unbelievable to see it, isn't it? Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, uh, you know, you see these kids have this experience they've never had and they light up, you know? The big thing I think for the Ike Foundation is we're not we're not saying we want all these kids to become professional anglers. Yeah. It'd be great if some of them did, but we want them to have that fishing experience because it ties them to so, mu so many other positive things. The outdoors, nature, conservation, conservation. Uh, ecology, um, you know, all these amazing things in life that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to any other way. We're trying to help with that. So it's, it's important, it's important for us. Yeah. We're proud of it. I subscribe to BassU TV, and so should you. Great place to learn about anything you want to know about bass fishing. You get it at BassU. We got the best of the best. I'm not just an instructor, I'm a subscriber. I'm John Cruz, and I am a subscriber. You can always learn, and uh, watching BassU definitely helps with that. It's something that I like to do, and it's definitely something that you need to do. If I'm still learning, you should be too. Subscribe to BassU, because you'll learn how to catch a lot more fish. Ike Live, brought to you exclusively by Abu Garcia.